remind you of something that many of you uh, remember, some of you may not. And that was back on April the 20th, 1999. On April 20th, 1999, in the small town of Littleton, Colorado, two high school students, uh, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, enacted an all-out assault on Columbine High School. The boys' plan was to kill hundreds of their peers using guns, knives, and homemade explosives. They walked the halls and walked the classrooms killing at will. When the day was done, 12 students were killed, one teacher was killed, and both Eric and Dylan were killed. Since that time, there have been many other similar events, but the same question rings true after each one. And that question simply is why? Why did they do such a horrendous thing? This brings us to our topic today, because in almost every one of those cases, these young people, first of all, were lost. They were lost without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but they were also feeling unloved. They were also feeling unwanted. And so today I want to, to preach for a little bit on why are we losing our young people? As a church, maybe even as parents, why are we losing our young people? It seems as children grow older, they often begin to lose interest in spiritual matters. As they grow older, they begin to pull away and become distant. Uh, they be start missing church, and before long, they just stop going altogether. They start dating, they get engaged, and lo and behold, they begin to marry unmarried people or unchristian people. They get involved in drugs, they get involved in alcohol, they get involved in other temptations as well. And ultimately, when those things begin to happen, we lose them to the world. As a church and as parents, we have the responsibility for our young people. And I pray, friend, that you take that responsibility very very seriously. In Psalm 127, the Bible makes it clear about how important our kids are. In Psalm 127 and verse 3, the Bible says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies at their gate. Friends, when it comes to youth, we learned a little bit last week that Proverbs 22.6 is the guiding principle by which we should look at our children. And that, of course, is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Now, there are many reasons why we can still lose our youth. So I think that understanding some of the reasons why we can might help us prevent from losing more of our young people. Now, several factors contribute to losing our young people. Uh, the first step in this process seems to be the bad influence of their friends. The bad influence of some of their friends can be uh, at least a contributing factor to why we're losing our youth. Friends have the most influence on our youth. Why? Because that's who they're spending the most time with. That's who they're spending the most time with. Now, there are warning signs that a friend may be a bad influence. In Proverbs chapter 1, the wisest man the world has ever known wrote this, and he wrote this to his son. He said, my son, if sinners entice you, do not give in. If they say, come on with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like in Sheol and whole like those who go down in the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Cast your lot in with us. And we will have one purse together. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. The bad influence of friends of our young people can lead down a path of destruction. Even a good Christian can be led astray by the wrong friendships. Again, in Proverbs chapter 12, the Bible says, A righteous man is cautious in friendships because of the way that the wicked can lead them astray. In Proverbs 22, the Bible says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one who's easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament recognized how friends could mislead us as believers. Paul wrote to believers saying, listen guys, listen church, listen Christians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Amen? Say that with me. Bad company corrupts good character. You can be a good old boy, but if you're hanging out with bad old boys, it will corrupt your character. So I wonder, how do our youth get led down this path of destruction? Well, first of all, I think is one that everybody can be a victim to, and that is they gradually drift. Probably one of the biggest problems that a Christian is going to have is the subtle attacks of the enemy that may cause us to drift from the faith. But Hebrews reminds us about this and, and, and encourages us not to do it. It says that we must pay more careful attention 
Pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, to what we have learned. Why? So that we do not drift away. That's one of the ways we lose our young people. Man, they get all fired up. That's what happened to me. I was fired up going on mission trips, doing concerts with my youth group, and then mom and dad got divorced. I moved away, and guess what happened to Billy? He drifted. He drifted away from the faith. And as a result of that drifting, I spent 17 years of my life out there in the world. And it ain't a good place to be, friends. Drifting is a big problem. But here's another problem that happens with our youth. They get desensitized to sin. Desensitized to sin. Psalm 1 warns us about this. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the way of the sinners. Blessed is the man who doesn't seat, sit in the seat of the, of the mockers. It warns us that we cannot be in company with these kinds of people because we will get desensitized to sin. Here's another reason that we lose our youth and another reason that youth get led down that path of destruction. And that is pressures begin to mount when they're outnumbered. When they're in a group of wicked young people or people that are living in the world, it's hard for a Christian to stand out. Why? Because they're outnumbered. This is a problem that's been going on since the beginning of the Old Testament. See, the Lord didn't want the Jewish people, the Israelites, he didn't want them to fall victim to the influence of all the other religions and all the other cultures that were living in the promised land. So here's what he said. God said to his people, don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me. Because the worship of their God will certainly become a snare to you. Friends, the ways that our youth get led down this path of destruction is they gradually drift. They get desensitized to sin and they feel outnumbered. So those are important ways. And so we need to beware of the bad influence of friends on our youth. Here's another reason. Because it's not only the bad influence of the friends. Get a bunch of fingers saying, well, they got hanging out with bad company. And their good character got corrupted. It's not just that. Because not only the bad influence of friends, but also the poor example of parents. How'd that feel? How'd that feel? Friends, now is the time when some of you might start squirming. Now is the time when some of you might start feeling a little uncomfortable. But I want you to remember something. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your children. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your young people. Friend, they are our heritage, the Bible says. Psalm 127 said, they are the gift God has given us. The most precious gift that God can give you is your children, your young people. So at least part of the reason why we're losing them is young people learn from what they see. Young people learn from what they see. Listen to what Jesus instructs all of us as believers to do. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they, let me get this, start this again. Jesus said, 
Let your light so shine before men that they see. that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The same principle that applies to you as a believer applies to you as a parent and applies to you as a spiritual parent. Friend, the duty of parents is to set a good example for their kids, to follow the guidelines of God and not only in heart, but let your kids see it. Let them see you following God's guidance. But it's not just that. There's something else. Young people learn from what they see, yes. But listen to this. Like it or not, young people will become like their parents. Young people will become like their parents. Listen to what Proverbs 20 tells us. In verse 7, the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. So it goes with good and bad, amen? Blessed are his children after him. Ezekiel 16 says, everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb. Like mother, like daughter. Like it or not, they're going to become like you. Children will invariably talk. They will invariably eat. They will invariably walk. Think, respond, and act like their parents. I've seen it over and over again. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a good target to shoot at. Give them a goal to work toward. Give them a pattern they can see clearly, and friend, in doing so, you will give them something that gold or silver would never be able to buy. Not only do they act upon what they see, not only will they become like their parents, but as parents, your actions speak louder than your words. Don't just tell your kids you love them. Show them that you love them. Let them see you practicing Christian values. Let them see you doing what you're teaching them to do. And then don't be surprised when they turn out just like you've trained them to be. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 4, the Bible says, Only be careful and watch closely to yourselves so that you do not forget what your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your children and their children after them. As Christian adults, that's probably the number one tool that we have is to teach these things to our children. Today's young people, they have the bad influence of friends. Today's young people, some of them have the poor example of their parents. But there's something else that today's young people have going against them. And that is the weak image children are old enough to begin to pay attention. From the time that children are old enough to understand what goes on at church, I think that's about 10 years old, from that time, they begin forming an image of both the church and Christianity. And they do so until they're about 20. And after that time, that image is already set in their mind, and 
few things are going to change that image. I want to tell you this morning that a strong and impressive image of the church is very powerful in the life of our youth. They need help. What do they need help learning? What do they need to see from church and from its members? Well, first of all, they need help understanding the Bible. They need help learning how to apply the Bible to their lives. I mean, if we don't teach them what the Bible means and how to apply it, who's going to? Nobody. That's exactly right. So they need help understanding it and applying it. But they also need help, listen to this, seeing it in action. Amen? They need to see the Bible in action in you. When it comes time for children, Christians in action uh, every year, our young people need to see a line going out the back door for people who want to be part of this ministry. Otherwise, you know what you're telling them? That's not important. When they see a half-full church, what do they think? Ah, that's not important. When they see a full church, what do they say? Man, that must be pretty important. When they see you visiting the sick and giving to missions, what do they think? Man, those things must be pretty important. They need to see you living out your faith. They need to see it in action. Here's something else they need to see. They need to see conviction of sin in your life. I mean, we should have altars full at the end of every service. Because we all have sin issues, do we not? Anybody but me? Amen. We all have things that we're dealing with in our life. We all ought to be praying and, and letting our kids see that we all have these sin issues in our life that we're trying to get right, that we're all living a life of repentance. We're all living a life where we're changing constantly to align ourselves with his will. Friends, our young people need to see that. Here's something else they need to learn. They need to see the strength of the church. They need to look at the church and its members, and they need to see role models. Man, she is somebody you can follow. That's a model. They need to see pillars in the community. Those that are serving their community. That's what they need to see. Here's something else they need. They need to learn that sin is not tolerated. There are way too many churches in our nation that are teaching that there are some sins that are tolerated. We're going to teach our young people that sin of any kind is not tolerated. That sin of any kind displeases God. That it breaks God's heart. And we're going to teach that to our kids so that they can be children and young people that want to please God and honor God by the way they live. Not that some sin is okay. Because you know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to begin to excuse sin in their life. Oh, the church says it's okay. It's okay with me. They're going to begin to excuse sin. And what does that send a message? That sends a message to say, it's okay for me to sin. And there won't be no consequences. Uh-oh. 
Do you want our young people getting that message? I hope not. Therefore, we're not going to teach that sin is tolerable. It's not tolerated. Not because of the church, but because of God said it was not tolerated. And we're going to follow the word of God. One last thing that our kids need to see in church is they need to see people who love each other. You know, why do we spend so much time in, in our fellowship time? I pray our young people see you loving one another. I pray that they see that you care for one another. I pray that they see that you respect one another. If you want them to learn these vital, vital uh, character traits in their own life, friends, they got to see it. they got to see it here. Unfortunately, young people often see a bad image of the church. And I'm not pointing fingers at our church because I don't know the answer if it is or is not. But one thing that I find in the bad image of a church is weak preaching. Weak preaching will give a bad image of the church. Preaching that's weak. Preaching that's hard to follow. Preaching that's outdated. We'll lose our young people. Some preachers will preach one thing, but they'll do another. They'll say, man, church, you guys need to be involved in CIA. But then where are they on Wednesday nights? They'll preach one thing, do another. Some preachers preach in a way where they don't think it out. Man, they don't prepare. They don't organize their thoughts. They're just plain uninteresting. Young people don't want to hear that garbage. They don't want to hear anything that's not prepared. They want to be able to relate. They want to be able to get it. And so I think weak preaching is a big problem, and it creates a bad image of the church. But here's something else. I think that they need to have life groups classes that are relevant. They need to have small group Bible studies Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whenever it occurs is irrelevant. But they need to have classes that are relevant to their age group. And those teachers need to be prepared. And those teachers need to be willing to teach issues that are relevant to these young people's lives. If they can't understand how it applies to them, what's the use? They need to know. They need to know and have a teacher that's willing to give them tips on how to apply this word to their lives. Here's another problem that creates a bad image in the church, and that is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the members, hypocrisy in the leaders. Are they doing what they're preaching? Are they serving like they're supposed to be serving? Are they giving like they're supposed to be giving? Hey man, if it ain't important to you, it, it won't be important to our young people. That's probably the biggest problem that a church has to overcome. It's hypocrisy. Yeah, I saw one of your members, Brother Bill, down there at the state line. How do I, what do I do? How do I answer that? I ain't got a leg to stand on. Hypocrisy is a problem. It creates a bad image for the church. Here's something else that creates a bad image for the church, and that is when young people hear members grumbling, moaning, and complaining about one another. Well, that says a lot about love, doesn't it? When you're constantly griping about somebody else in the church. Here's something else that creates a bad image in the church. And that is outdated worship. 
or outdated ministry. I mean, some churches are so resistant to contemporary music. And I'm not saying that's the way it's always supposed to be. But we can't be resistant to what our young people are listening to. If you want to reach them, then you've got to reach them with what they're used to listening to. The message don't change. I understand that. But the message, or but the method can change. Amen? I mean, I, I was thinking about Jesus. What, you know, they were all fishing on one side of the boat, and they weren't catching nothing. And what did Jesus tell them to do? Catch the other side. Then what happened? Caught a whole net full. Got a, got a fish on both sides of the boat. The message is the same, but the methods do change. Amen? So, some churches don't even have, don't even have a youth group. Some churches don't even have a youth ministry. They don't even have activities for young people. What kind of message does that send? What message does that send? I mean, they wonder, why are our kids at the mall and not at church? Well, what kind of message does that send? What kind of message does an unsupported youth ministry send to our young people? I'll tell you what it sends them. It tells them, we don't care about you. If you're not supporting BYG in some form or fashion, here's what you're saying to the young people. We don't care about you, and you're not important to us. How would you like to hear that? I wouldn't want to hear that. Friend, any opportunity you have to encourage a BYG leader or to encourage one of our youth, you need to be doing it. You need to tell them we care. You need to tell them how important they are. Because they're the lifeblood of the church. They're going to be the next generation. They are our heritage. They are our rich reward. And we ought to treat them as such. Today's young people have the bad influence of friends. Some of them have a poor example in parents. Many of them have been exposed to a weak image of the church, but there's something else that's going against them. And that is the pull of the world. Even though I've mentioned this point last, I believe it's the number one reason why we're losing our young people. The pull of the world. And here's part of the problem. In church, I think we judge often, we judge our youth unfairly. Man, they got a bunch of tattoos. They're wearing piercings. They're dressing funny. Man, they can't be Christians, right? Man, that music they're listening to. Man, that heavy that Christian heavy metal music will not do. That Christian hip-hop music, it will not do. And so we judge our youth based upon what we think is acceptable and what's not. So what if they have long hair? So what? Does that make them uh, any less desirable from God? Does that mean that God loves them any less? I got news for you. Oh, I'm talking about boys, not girls. Mariah's going. <laughs> See, teens often find the world more accepting of them 
than the church. That's a big, big problem. You know what? If you want, if you want to see change in their life for the glory of God, you got to accept them the way they are first. Embrace them. Teach them what the Bible says. Let God handle the changes. The Holy Spirit will handle the changes in their life. You, our job is to embrace them and to love them and to nurture them and to raise them as a heritage of the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. Is it any wonder that a lot of our young people gravitate toward the world? The world accepts them. Man, come on, do whatever you want to do. I don't, I'm not saying we have to approve, but I am saying we need to accept. You know the difference, right? I don't have to approve their behavior, but I do have to accept them. Otherwise, they'll never find out what's worthy of approval or not. Pull of the world. And look at all the tools that the world uses. The world uses technology. iPods, iPads, iPhones, games. Facebook, Twitter, Vine, Snapchat, on and on and on. Man, they love this stuff. I mean, friends, listen, if you can't download it or look at it on your phone, it ain't cool and they don't want it. That's why you've never heard me ever say, hey, man, don't you be using your, your Bible app on your phone while I'm preaching. If that's the way it speaks to you, if that's most comfortable to you, you have at it. The world uses technology, and I think the Christian world is often kind of behind in this area. But here's something else that the world uses, and this is the Internet. The world uses the Internet, and the Internet gives teens access to a whole lot of stuff they ain't got no business having access to. Would you agree? What do you think the most, what do you think the worst thing is to have access to on the internet? Say it. Pornography. Being that you said it, I'll talk about it for a moment. Listen to some of the information that I found about pornography. The porn industry generates 13 billion, that's billion with a B, billion dollars a year in the United States. That's nine zeros to me and you. Because I don't know what a billion dollars looks like. Internet pornography alone brings in three billion dollars a year for them. Seventy-one percent, what was that percentage? 71% of teens hide their online behavior from their parents. The average age of the first pornography viewer, 12 years old. 89 dollars a second is spent on porn sites. If you do a Google search, you'll find the following results. Google the word pornography, and you'll find 85 million 
200,000 sites under that heading. Google sex, and you'll find 1,640,000,000 sites under that heading. Google Jesus, and you'll find 591,000,000 sites. At least we got pornography beat on that, amen? These are some pretty scary statistics for our young people. So you may ask yourself, Bill, how are we going to win them back? How are we going to win them back? I pray that my solution is not overly simplistic. Because my solution is this. If you want to win the young people back, the church must be more influential than the world. You have to make a bigger difference in their lives than the world does. You've got to make a bigger impact on young people than the world does. We say we. We have to be more influential than the world is. How do we do that? It's a pretty bold statement, Bill. How are we going to do that? Well, first of all, I think that we're going to set a good example for them parentally and spiritually. That means you're going to have to be involved in the life of your church if you want to make a difference in the life of our young people. What else? You got to get them involved. We got to get them involved. We got to show them their church cares for them. Their church wants the very best for them. Their church is going to provide activities for them. We're even going to pay for it in some instances. And we're going to show you how much we care by giving you an abundance of adult support. Right now, Bethel's not doing a very good job of that. We have some committed leaders, and I'm thankful for them. But the Bethel youth group, our young people, they need to see that you care more. They need you to be more involved in their lives. They need to see it's important to you that they are involved with the body of Christ. How else are we going to do it, Bill? Well, obviously, we're going to teach them biblical standards. Standards like Ephesians chapter 6 teaches, where the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because it's right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. You want your kids to live long? You want it to be well with them? Hey, man, teach them how to honor their mother and father. Bring them up in the training and encouragement of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. Deuteronomy 4, 9. Be careful and watch yourself closely. Watch yourself closely. Teach them to your children. Teach them to our children 
and their children after them. What happens if you don't? I ain't got time, Bill. I ain't got the money, Bill. I don't have the desire, Bill. I don't like kids, Bill. I can't identify with youth, Bill. I don't want to, Bill. Well, if those are your responses, here's what you can expect. Alcohol abuse. Drug addiction and drug abuse. You can expect trouble with the law. Every Thursday morning, I go through roll call with the investigators. Half of every single arrest warrant has these two words, or two letters, JV. It goes straight to juvenile. Half. Half. What else can you expect? You can expect teen pregnancy. Ask Shoal save a life. How much counseling do they have to do with teens who have made the wrong decisions? What else can you expect? Well, you can expect kids with problems with pornography if you don't get involved in their life. What else can you expect? Well, you might even expect that they would come to a tragic end because there are consequences. There are consequences to alcohol abuse and drug abuse and all these things. But ultimately, friend, ultimately, a vibrant, ongoing, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is what our kids need. Are they going to learn that from the world? They're not. They're going to learn it here. They're going to learn it from you. And so what's your call? What's your response? You want to win them back or not? If you think about it, it doesn't only go for young people. It goes for anybody who's been waiting. Anyone who's gone astray. That vibrant, intimate, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. You realize this morning, you need that. During this decision time, you can come and you can learn exactly how the Bible says you can be saved from your sin and have heaven eternal. But more importantly, 